Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the epistle reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, particularly verses 13 and 14. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. So far our text. There's a word in the verse that we as humans have a hard time with. And one that I am not exactly thrilled with having in this translation, but having looked at various other translations, it's no better either. That word is fairness. I mean, from little on, we've always cried that we want it to be fair. That things aren't fair when somebody else has something that we should have. Now, in other translations, that word fairness is translated as equality, which is also another bad translation, because that is not what Paul is talking about here. Even though the world screams for equality, and so most of the newer translations translate that word that way, what it really wants and what it really needs is equity. Okay, well, what's the difference between equality and equity other than a couple of letters? Well, equality demands that everyone have the same thing, that all the resources and opportunities are the same, whether you live in Milford or Chicago or Uganda or wherever in the world, that everybody should have the same, which is great if you buy into the idea that everybody should drive a Jeep Grand Cherokee, everybody should drink Pepsi, and Folgers is the only kind of coffee you can ever drink. Now, if you want to live in a world where those are your only options, and you take anything else in life, and that there is only one choice for everyone to have, so everyone has the same thing, that's not what we want, is it? Because, yes... It's nice to have those things here, but it's also nice to have the choice. Equity, on the other hand, recognizes that everyone has different circumstances and allocates the resources and opportunities according to those circumstances so that more resources are given for places that have fewer of the amenities. And this is what the early church sought. As Paul is writing To the Corinthians, he is in the city of Philippi, in the middle of the province of Macedonia. And he writes to them as one of the larger congregations, one of the more profitable, you could say, congregations, simply because of their size and some of the people from the city that have become members of that congregation, that they should help out. Because part of his writing, and especially chapter 8, of this epistle, is about a collection being taken up for the saints in Jerusalem. As we'll see this morning in Bible class, that there is severe persecution that has broken out again in Jerusalem against the church. And Paul points to the Macedonians saying, I lift up these guys as an example 
of people who are seeking equity, just like the early church, as those who would sell their property in order to help those who were in need, as any had need. Now, this is great on a social level, but it's also great on a personal level. Even the prophet Jeremiah in his lamentations understood equity and what it means for everyone to have what they need. As he says, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. One should wait quietly. Not clamoring, not yelling and screaming at God, saying, why isn't this done yet? Although, sometimes that is necessary just as catharsis for the soul and the heart and the mind. But as he also writes at the end of that reading, though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Yes, God causes grief. Not that He is the one who is striking you with it, but that He is allowing you to have some of the consequences of your actions and of your sins. Not all of them. Thankfully, He takes some of them away because of the abundance of His steadfast love. He covers your need for His salvation. And as the psalm said this morning, His anger is but for a moment, and His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. We weep and we mourn because of the things that happen to us, the things that are going on in the world that we wish wouldn't be that way. But we weep not as people without hope. We weep as people who know that there is joy coming in the morning. We are people that weep knowing that what happened on Good Friday and the weeping and the darkness there gave way to Easter morning, gave way to the great joy of the apostles and the women as they came from the tomb, hearing the great words that Jesus was not there anymore, that He had risen from the dead. Paul gives this as a picture, and even Jeremiah, hundreds of years before, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. But they are constantly renewed in our lives. That we can wake up thanking God for another day, because we know it's another day where He will bless us. And it is God who shows that abundance As Paul is writing to the Corinthians, their abundance should supply others' needs to promote equity in the church. This is why we give to missions. This is why we take to heart as Christians, Acts 1.8, where you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth to provide equity, to give of our abundance in order that other places and other organizations throughout the world may have what they need. So we give out of our abundance to places like Danville Women's Clinic and Prairie View Lutheran Home as our Jerusalem and Judea. We go into Samaria as we have 
missions that go out and support those things going on in the central Illinois district, whether it be the prison ministry or the campus ministries at the various universities, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth where they send missionaries out. And we also give money to Pastor Fritchie in the Dominican Republic because missionaries don't do a great deal of fundraising for themselves. They don't go into the field with a great vast of money like they had just won the Powerball lottery. They go in after having asked congregations and individuals and organizations to sponsor them. And so in faith, we do that. So that out of our abundance, the needs that are needed around the world may be met. And Paul talks to the Corinthians like this, pointing out again the churches of Macedonia, that their abundance of joy and extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. This new fledgling congregation in Philippi and those in the surrounding area, they gave beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly, Paul says, for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. They were a young congregation, but wanting to help their brothers and sisters in Christ, knowing that someday they might have need, knowing that, well, even today could have been their time for need, as Paul talks about their extreme poverty. But still, willingly they gave so that others may benefit. And God also gives this abundance to us to promote equity in our lives. He does it through natural and supernatural means. We sang a moment ago about the Lord whose strong arms were skilled at the plane and the lathe. That Jesus grew up the son of a carpenter. What did he grow up to become? A carpenter. Because as he comes back to Nazareth to teach in the synagogue, everybody's amazed. Isn't this the carpenter? How does he have these great teachings? Paul himself would not burden the congregations that he was helping to establish. Instead, taking the side job of making and repairing tents so that he would not be a burden, that his skill might help encourage those around him. And even those of us who have been kicked out of a church and had to have found other ways to support family out of need, God provides abundantly that way as well. As all of you wonderful people who still order from Amazon, even though I'm not working there anymore and no longer get paid for any advertisements I might make in the sermons, but still the great abundance that is there in helping those who need that help. And God also provides it through supernatural means. Those things that we wish would happen more often. As the psalm cries out, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. We want that. We look at the prayer list of those with health concerns and those who are battling cancer. 
And we wish that the Lord would just heal them now and here. And sometimes it happens. Most of the time it doesn't. But also we pray for the strength and the comfort that His steadfast love endures. And that as we'll sing at the end of the service, that we are all beneath His wings. And neath His wings protecting, He hides you from the troubles that are there. As I said earlier, He takes away part of the consequences. He offers us relief in the midst of our sorrow. Very much unlike the woman we meet in the Gospel reading, who had that discharge of blood for 12 years, who had gone to every doctor she could find, and instead of getting better, becomes worse. But she hears about Jesus being nearby. The same Jesus who will say to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Well, we think, I have faith. Why am I not healed? Because it is not in the Lord's will. That's why we also pray for comfort in our afflictions. That even though we may be like the woman saying, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. That, well, his garments aren't here anymore. But he does give us the natural means of helping us. As he leaves the woman to go off and live a new life again, a renewed life, he gets to the house of Jairus and sees the commotion of all those weeping and wailing over the death of this child. And Jesus kicks him out of the house saying, This child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laugh at him because, well, they've seen her. She's dead. But Jesus takes her mother and father, takes Peter, James, and John into her room, and takes her by the hand and says, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And she gets up and starts walking around. What's the equity in the supernatural? Twelve years. Twelve years, the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garments had had that discharge of blood. Jairus' daughter had lived for 12 years. There were different needs. The woman had suffered for so long, Jesus relieves her of that pain. This little girl, no one should have to bury their 12-year-old child. So it's not just the daughter being raised from the dead, but the daughter being restored to her parents. There's the great supernatural equity that God gives to us. That His abundance comes to us. And yes, brings us great things. Brings us joy in the morning. But it is also in the forgiveness of sins that we see His great abundance truly giving equity to us. That we look and see and hear news stories all around of people on death row who have done so many unspeakable things, although the news seems to love to speak those unspeakable things. 
coming to faith in Jesus and expecting to be seated at the table in heaven, enjoying the forgiveness of their sins. And we think these are horrible, despicable people. How can God forgive them? I mean, I'm not that bad. Okay, I tell a little white lie once in a while. I you know, spread a little bit of gossip once in a while. You know, I say things I shouldn't say, but you know, that's, that's, that's just everyday life. That's normal. It's the equity involved. Those who need more forgiveness rejoice over their forgiveness more than those who just see them as little things that are just part of life. Because as Paul says, our Lord Jesus Christ was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. His hands are swift to welcome even the most vile of sinners. As Paul himself would say, that he is the chief of sinners. That if anyone didn't deserve the forgiveness of sins, it was him. But he would also go along with the psalm saying, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. But it's not only that I grieve, Paul says, for those who I killed and imprisoned, for believing the same thing I now teach. But I rejoice that He has turned my life around, that He has shown His face onto me and granted me this opportunity because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. No matter how far away we go off of the path that He has laid out for us, He is still there waiting to welcome us back, waiting to embrace us and reminding us of that equity that He has always given to His people. As Paul quotes at the end of the epistle reading from Exodus 16, where the Israelites in the wilderness are first receiving manna. It says, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Those who thought to hoard all of it And instead of gathering one day, maybe two or three days, being able to keep it and maybe sell it on the Israelite black market, had nothing left over at the end of the day. And those who were like, well, I only need a little bit, were satisfied and ended the day not hungry, but full of His goodness. And that goodness comes, as we say with Jeremiah in Lamentations, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Why do we hope in Him? Because we sang at the beginning of the service of the one who lives, who once was dead. Not only the one who brought Jairus' daughter back to life, not only the one who brought Lazarus back to life, but the one who raised Himself from the dead and has promised to do the same thing for you and me as well. David in the psalm glories a thousand years before Easter morning. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. I was as good as dead. And David understands having brushes with death. 
being the great military leader that he was. He knew those times that he was only spared by the grace of God. And he gloried and gave God that glory. Because he also understood what Jesus told Jairus after he got the word that his daughter was dead. Do not fear, only believe. Believe that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Believe that His mercies never come to an end. Believe that He has given abundance to some to help those in need and has given need to some to humbly accept help from those who have the abundance. Because that's also part of our problem, isn't it? We don't want to ask for help. We may be in the most dire of straits. It's like, well, no, I'll figure this out. No. No, Those are the times we lean on each other and that we are willing to be leaned upon, whether it's monetary gifts, a shoulder to cry on, or just an encouraging word. Sometimes any of those things can be the greatest thing. And it's all done with the proper mindset that the Lord is my portion and I hope in Him. And as Paul talks about the Macedonians, they gave themselves first to the Lord and to His will and to what He would do among them and through them. And then, by the will of God, to those who had been put over them. This is the great equity that we have in Christ. This is the great equity among Christians. That we all have the forgiveness of sins. Some of us may not need it as much as others. Some of us definitely need it more than others. But He gives that same forgiveness, whether great or small, because it all comes from the abundance of His steadfast love. Not equality, not even fairness, but His gracious equity given to all who call on Him in their need, knowing that He will provide for them out of His abundance. Amen.